Today's scripture reading is in Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or, What shall we drink? Or, What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Victoria. Have you all read, listening to a conversation like this, when a wife comes to the husband, never the opposite, only from the wife to the husband, when she says this, why are you anxious? And he already said, I'm not anxious. Don't tell me this. This, this portion of the Bible is part of the Jesus set of teachings for his disciples, which is known as the Sermon of the Mount. Jesus, Jesus begins to teach a new way of life for those who want to follow him. One of them, which we're going to look this morning, concerns what is now called the biggest issue of the century in terms of public health wellness, which is anxiety. Why did Jesus address this issue to his disciples? Although it said that anxiety is the biggest issue of the century, in fact... It has been a problem for humanity ever since. We wake to the sound of urgent alarms and rush from one to another activity every day. Interrupting our busy schedules can be unthinkable. We were, we fall behind. Anxiety, which can be explained as an exaggerate worry about something or a lack 
of patience to wait for something or someone, or this, these feelings that has brought bitter experiences in the lives of many. This happens because anxious persons believe in at least one of these three main things. One, that only he or she has the ability of doing the right thing. It's what, why he's anxious. Only me can do what is right. No one knows. Second, that everything should be in his or her time frame. If I need to wait, I turn anxious. Or the one believes that there is no solution for his or her problem anymore. That's it. How many arguments have, been, have there been between co-workers, between husbands and wives, as I, I started to say this morning, between siblings, parents and children, for a lack of patience. How many? How many wrong decisions are made for not waiting for the right moment? How many sleepless night, how many illnesses many people are suffering because of anxiety. All of this ends up interfering in how we trust and rest under God's care. Jesus, knowing this, decides to call the attention of his disciples to this problem because he knew that anxiety creates a blurry vision, a blurry human vision of God. We see God. We know that He is there. We know who is He, what He has done, how powerful He is, but anxiety blur our vision. We know, but we don't know exactly. We trust, we say that we trust in Him, but I don't know, just in case, let me do this, let me do that. One problem that anxiety creates is a blurry vision of God's provision. It's what we just read, or Victor read, Victoria read in the Bible. Let's take a look on, on verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Everyone here knows this, knows this. Everyone knows that life is more important than food and, 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 and clothes. And, the, and, and, and Jesus is, is saying to his disciples that this is so absurd that everyone knows this, but still everyone is worried about tomorrow. 
If I don't do this, that will not happen. If I don't do this, because no one knows how to do better than I. Husband goes to the car Sunday morning and says, I'm waiting for you. Don't be late. Only husbands do this. And then they start to be late. One minute later, they start to go, let's go. And then the pleasure to go to the church become uh, like an inferno. Discussion, arguments, for nothing, for just one minute, two minutes. From the beginning of Genesis, God has shown his providing care for people. For this reason, he first created everything on earth so that there would be possible for human biological life. For example, before God created the man, what he created? Light, water, plants, vegetable and fruit trees, fish, birds, and other animals. Then, only then, after all necessary conditions for human life to exist in earth, God created a human being. It was the sixth day, and what God said? That it was very good. Since the beginning, God shows his providing care for us. God accomplished this, this care, when he called Abraham, for instance. For example, Genesis 12, the Bible says this, God, the Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's house to the land I will show you. The only thing that God asked from Abraham is, listen to me, Obey my voice and follow me. Or follow what the direction that I'm telling you. That was Abraham's side. And what was God's side? Genesis 12 verse 2 said this. I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So when God tells us to do something, when God calls us to follow him, he never lets us alone. He always provides everything that we need to accomplish his call in our lives. God did the same, for example, for the people of Israel during the 40 years walking through the desert. For example, Exodus chapter 16. And the children of Israel ate manna 40 years until they came into an inhabited land. They ate manna until they came to the borders of the land 
of Canaan. Forty years, and on an everyday basis, God provides something for them, to feed them, to protect them, showing his presence among them, with them. Jesus was teaching his disciples that anxiety leads us to suffer because it blurs our vision of God's constant care in our lives. Added to that, this blurred vision of God's care also leads us to suffer in advance for a problem that possibly will only happen in the future. And, God's, and Jesus told his disciples that is absurd because what he said is possibly because we suffer for something that can occur in the future, but also has the possibility of not happening. And if it happens, we will suffer twice. Once in advance and once when the problem comes. As a result, we lose precious moments of resting and unfortunately, many times, we spoil or even lose relationships. We should keep alive in our mind that everything that happens to us is under God's control. Saying again, everything. We face lots of different situations, illness in our lives, in our family. We lose job. We send our children to college. We move from one place to another place. It's why here we have lots of Californians. We are always moving from place to place. We have some investments. We have vacations. And what we try is bring the future to the present to solve the problem and put the, the problem in the future again and waiting for that. What are you going to do? And tomorrow, my car will, bro will be broken a day before my travel? How about if I have to send my wife, my, my husband, my father to the hospital? What's going to do? What's going to happen? That, like, that eats our peace from inside to outside. Destroy our mind. We should always remember Romans chapter 8. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. God, God always takes care of everything in our lives, like when he questioned his disciples once. For example, in Luke chapter 22, when he says this, 
when I sent you out with no purse, no bag, no sandals, did you lack anything? What did the disciples say? Say, nothing. Every time, in our every day, God is always taking care of us. It's like that old song. No matter what may be the test, God will take care of you. Lean weary one upon his breast. God will take care of you. God will take care of you through every day all of the way will take care of you. God will take care of you. Will you help me? God will take care of you through every day or all the way. He will take care of you. God will take care of you. Anxiety gives us a blurry view of God because it doesn't let us see His everyday merciful care in our lives. A second problem that anxiety creates is a blurry vision of good relationship to God. Okay, I, 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 I trust in God, but because our mouth says this, but in, in a practical way, we say we trust in God, but I refuse, even though I never say this, I never admit it is, but at the end, I, 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 be, I, I prefer to walk on my way by myself, Then resting in his hands, taking care or taking time to have a good and profound relationship to God, waiting for him. Instead, I say, I make my plans, this is what I'm going to do, and then after all plans are done, we come to God and say, God, now... Come after me, blessing what I have planned, what I have prepared. Practically, it's what you do. Talking about anxiety is not just a matter of exaggerate worries. Talking about anxiety is talking about the level of trust one has in God. Someone could say he or she is anxious in trust in God, but the problem with this statement is that the two things are mutually exclusive. 
Our dictionary defines anxiety as distress, anguish, emotional attitude that is characterized by fear and lack of hope for the future. It's why trust and anxiety are mutually exclusive. Where fear reigns, there is no trust. That is what the Bible says. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 says, There is no fear in love. It's talking about God's love. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. When you trust in God, hope arises. Even in the midst of extremely difficult situations. I'm not saying that we don't face difficulties in our lives. Sometimes we see the difficulties stronger than ourselves. Even though we don't say this, but we have this feeling that sometimes the difficulties that we are facing is even stronger than God. Even though we don't say this, but we act as it was. Jeremiah the prophet was once in profound distress. When everyone was thinking that there was no hope for Israel, and despite his own distress, Jeremiah preferred to bring to mind what would renew hope in his heart instead of surrendering himself to anxiety. Where do you find this? Lamentations Chapter 3, verses 21 and 22, um, to 26. When you read this. The distress was general. In general. The whole people were, were thinking that the end had come. And then he had to, to fight against himself. Talking to his own heart. Saying this. Yet, this I call to mind and therefore... I have hope. What? What was to bring hope to his heart in this situation? Was this. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It's good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. What the prophet is saying is, or the, what the Bible is showing us is, we face situations that bring distress. And that 
tries to steal our peace. But what Jeremiah decided to do, instead of to surrender, surrender himself to the distress, I want to bring hope to my mind. It's what I want to do. This is the best medicine against anxiety. I want to bring to my mind what will give me hope. And what? The merciful God. The, 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 the mercy of God renew every day. God, please be mercy on me. That is a simple prayer that we should do in the distress time. Why? Because Jeremiah knew who God was. He cultivated a very good relationship to God in whole life. To, to know by sure that on that very moment, his grace would never in the same way as God walked with Jeremiah on that distress time, he will be with you as well. He will be. He will take care of us. What you show the level of our relationship to God is Saying again, what shows the level of a relationship to God is the level of our trust in God. The mouth can say, I trust. But what shows the level of your trust will be the level of your relationship. Sit with this for a moment. Let it sink in. I'll read again. What creates a relationship of trust in God is the quality of the relationship we have with Him. This is Peter's teaching when he says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6-7, to where we read, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the God's mighty hand, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. The Bible doesn't say that anxiety is not a reality in our lives. The Bible recognizes this. This is something that all of us, or at least most of us, faith against it. But what the Bible says is this. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. This is what the prophet says. This is what we have to bring to our mind that will bring hope for our situation. 
is like this other song. Please help me. The old song that does this. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it's well, it's well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Is that simple? Is that with what Jesus was teaching his disciples? It's much better to sing, it's well with my soul, than lose relationship to God, than trust, not trusting in God. It's much easier Come after him, resting in his hand, say, God, this is too big to me, for me. I can't deal with, with it. God, please, be mercy. Be mercy on me. And sit as Jeremiah the prophet. God, from now on, it's well, it's solved, it's solved. I already surrendered it in your hand. Now it's well with my soul. My brothers and sisters, anxiety steals from us the most precious treasure we should have. Trust in God's care for our lives. And when I preach about the damage that anxiety causes, I don't mean that it's easy to deal with it. I'll tell you why. I was a slave to anxiety for many years. As a result, I missed many good times in my life. Lots of situation happen because of my anxiety. What it was a slavery. Until one day, listening to a sermon much like this, I realized how hesitant I was to completely rest in God's hand. After the sermon, I ran home into the presence of God and knelt down at his feet, crying out for healing on my soul and my heart because I knew that I couldn't be preacher of the Bible, preach of his gospel, being an anxious man. 
I came to God. God is done. Or you change my life, you change my heart, or I can't be your servant anymore. It was a hard time to surrender all my worries to God. But immediately, I felt the hand of God releasing me from that heavy burden being wonderfully healed. If you are one of those who suffers from anxiety for different reasons, like I did in the past, God can do the same for you today, now. The only and truly most important thing to do is to run into the presence of our mercy God, merciful God, recognizing your own inability to deal with your everyday life, crying out for deliverance. Is that simple? Let us come to the end remembering Psalm 37, verses 4 to 6. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday run. Commit yourself to the Lord and He will act. Let's stand and let's pray. Merciful and powerful God, we come before you recognizing that most of us have the inability to deal with our day, everyday lives in a peaceful way. God, we come before you because we recognize that if you do, if you do not trust in you, if you don't rest in your hand, we, do, we, we realize that we don't have a good relationship to you. We need you, God. Many of us here have facing difficult situations in our lives. Many of us are worried about tomorrow, job, illness, Travel, kids, fathers, mothers, parents in general. God and those situations have stolen from us, has, has stolen from us our peace, our trust in you. Not giving us opportunity to have 
a good relationship to you. God, please come to us. Release us of these worries. Release us of this hesitant trusting in you. God, come to us. Hold our hands. Clean us. Clean us from this, God. Because at the end, this is something that brings us to sin against you. God, come Come unto everyone who needs you right now because of many worries and set us free by the power of your Holy Spirit. Walk with us, God. We need your grace. But on our, on our mind, on an everyday basis, that your grace never fail. That you are the one who has control of everything in our lives. Our story, our lives, our families, our children, our parents, our job, our house our properties, everything is, are under your control. Merciful God, forgive us, release us, heal our hearts, our minds, our soul, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.